Welcome to Book Club, everyone. So this month, we've done Midnight Cowboy by James Leo Harley. It was adapted in 1969. It is the 50th anniversary of the Oscar-winning film. Directed by John Schlesinger? Schlesinger. Starring Dustin Hoffman, John Voigt, Sylvia Miles, John McGiver, Brenda Vaccaro in a extremely crucial eight-minute role. Um, and then the and then it was adapted by Waldo Salt, but also to make sure to note that James Levo Harley also is a screenwriter and pretty much everything he's written as book form has turned into films because that's usually how they're published. Um, so, we've all seen the film and read the book. Yeah. Anyone want to start with general feelings? <laughs> yeah. Have we seen the film before? So, the blurb on the book, which my edition like came after the film, I don't know what it would have been beforehand, but it's, here comes Joe Buck, six foot one, of eager erotic muscle and rare and for action. Midnight cowboy, midnight sun, a three blonde tarts, white midnight stud, slow talking, slow walking Joe, big boy moving in on midnight city, it's like a poem, uh, nightmare New York, Midnight salesman selling wares to whores, love to the unlovable, sex to the sexless, eternal youth to the old, shedding the lifeblood light on all the darkened world. <laughs> like a scat. It's not. That's not a blurb, really. Okay. The story is about Joe Buck, Buck, who grows up in Albuquerque in the story, and then eventually moves to New York City to pursue prostitution. What we should mention is the first book we've read where I believe the film is eclipsed the book as yes. far as the public imagination. I don't think most people don't know that this is based off the landmark film. film. I think most people would believe it to be a film. Yeah. Without there having been an adaptation from yeah. Original source. And the fact that the book is out of print, and I, I had to buy it secondhand, so I mean, but I'm just, yeah. I bought it digitally, it was yeah. readily available. I'd never seen it before. Yep. Uh, I watched it for the first time for, for Book Club. I totally, incredibly bizarre, but I thought it was quite brilliant. Yeah. Honestly. Well, I had no context. I had no idea what it was about. So I thought I was walking into a Western. That's how it was sold to me. Um, you thought it was a Western? Yeah, so it was not what I was expecting. Um, I agree with Bizarre as a genre summary, I would say. Um, did I felt like I read three separate books. Like It, the, it felt quite disjointed to me. In your version, does it have the different parts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't feel like they were linked in any particularly significant way, so yeah. it felt a bit strange. But then I thought the film did a better job of kind of interweaving those narratives, yeah. although slightly tightening some bits and removing others, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, I don't know if I liked it. I don't. It's not like my favourite thing I've ever done. Yeah. I didn't hate it. I didn't feel particularly compelled to go back in. Like when I was reading yeah. it, I kind of read a bit, and then I wasn't that excited to get back to it. But as I was reading it, I didn't dislike it. It's not like a cliffhanger type. No, of. I didn't feel so. I think I actually prefer the book for its interior. Had you seen the film already? Yeah. I saw the film years ago. Okay. Just reacquainted myself with it today. 
I felt the film used a lot of, and, and unfortunately, I'm, I, I can't be that critical of the types of styles it used, yeah. being a, a 1960s film. But I, I don't think they were, they were the, the filmic tricks they were using and, uh, gave to me the same sense of the inner life of Joe, especially. Yeah. I think the film, for me, missed a whole uh, well of melancholy that yeah. the, the book had for me, because I think I knew Joe. Yeah, it fills in a lot of gaps of why he is. Now, I don't know if it's because of the, the, the style of the film, yeah. or John Voight's performance, or the way he was directed. I didn't feel an inner life. I felt very superficial the whole way through. I didn't really, I didn't feel like I was taking a journey with Joe did, as I did in the book. Did you have that feeling when you originally saw it without having read the yeah, book? So long ago, I can't remember what I... It just... All, all of the flash, the use of the flashbacks, yeah. which in the book, you, he was, of course, they were his, his thoughts that were very fluid and they were immediate with him. And it's more straightforward timeline in the book rather than kind of going back and forth like the film does. Right. So I don't think the flashbacks of the film were nearly as, as powerful effective as or powerful for me to do while I was watching them. And they seemed conventional. And I really missed the scene in the book that was so powerful to give you a sense of Joe and how it's the world and how vulnerable he is when he's given the information that his grandmother's died. Yeah. And he he has that breakdown, that terrible breakdown. And he's in the, he's yeah, in the military, I mean, just to understand his trauma. I mean, for me, definitely, it was sort of like weirdly wonderful. I had no context. I knew it was sort of like a great period classic and about Dustin Hoffman's role, but I'd never seen it before. I knew nothing about the book. And I just, like, and I think it's definitely to note how erotic the book is. And it definitely is there in the film, but the sexual nature of the book is so intense and kind of fascinating in an odd way that it, it you know, it's quite queer and very aggressive and talking about his sexual nature and what he has to offer, even though in the film he is essentially a prostitute. I felt that it was more at a forefront in the book. And I just kind of was... I, it was It's sort of a book out of time, almost. Like, I don't think I've read anything like this before. I don't... Hmm. Yeah, me neither. I agree. Just his use of language and his writing style is so particular. And hmm. You really get a visual feeling for the characters, I think. Yeah. It was lean and it was stark. You get a lot, though, for and such within, a short yeah, book. Oh that, he, he has a really beautiful, plain-spoken lyricism, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. He really doesn't have a full stop. No! <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of like... But it's that churning, but it's that, that the, the, to me, that that churning nature of the, of the prose really... Yeah. It, it feels quite organic to the thoughts. Yeah, to the yeah, thoughts yeah. and what he's going through at any... Because it's very much, it is internal monologue, the writing style. It is sort of his thought process, so it's not necessarily, you know, it's quite colloquial, it's not meant to be clear, and, you know, it's his kind of rambling feelings about situations. And in the book, you really feel, as things are grinding down, yes. what they mean for him. And in the, in the film, I didn't get the sense that 
and mean, anything was really that at stake. Yeah. That, that he really was. The desperation of actually like being that. homeless at certain points and like having nothing, and that I could just die on the streets. For, no, I mean it's in the film, but it's definitely not the level of tension. I think. Yeah, he maintained that sunny disposition sort of through everything that was happening to them in the film. So I didn't really get a sense of suffering, and I did get a sense of in the opening scene of the film, what I was receiving from that opening paragraph that was so uh, full of eroticism, the way he was looking can at it. I'm going to read out the opening the opening line <laughs> for anyone just to understand. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of mad, though. It's like, okay, so, in his new boots, Joe Buck was six foot one and life was different. As he walked out of the store in Houston, something snapped in the whole bottom half of him. A kind of power he never even knew was there had been released into his pelvis and he was able to feel the world through it. <laughs> just like... I thought that was even how it opened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you looking forward to it? Okay. <laughs> no, but it's just like, it's a very physical writing style. It's all about his body and his moves and how he's feeling. And I think, I, as in real life, you definitely have that process, and you're very affected by your physical feelings to your mental ability to process things. And I don't think it's maybe talked about enough. Like if you're yes, uncomfortable I mean, with your body, you're gonna have a harder time to process the situation you're in, or you're gonna feel differently about it. But it's, it's very rare yeah. in writing to have that type of awareness of your sexuality yeah. informed by a male. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I yeah. mean... I mean, it's just, a, unfortunately, it's the way that society structured that a woman always has to be aware of her, you know, her presence and what the way that the world is going to perceive her and aware of what her powers can be yeah. as she goes through life. But then, so you very rarely see that from a male, uh, yeah. Parted to a male. Because he's so obsessed with how he looks because he that's how he wants people to receive him. Because in the book, not as much so in the film, but he's like, you know, I'm dumb, I'm not really smart in that sense. So it's about how I present myself physically because that's the only thing I have really. But there's moments where he looks in the mirror and he, oh, kind he of loves he almost like really recognizes himself. He's like, Oh yeah, I am <laughs> <laughs> you know, that attractive or however he's perceiving yeah. himself at that moment, but yeah. it's like, that's how he gets back in touch with himself, yeah. that physical sense of, yeah, looking yeah, back yeah. at his reflection. When he's, when he's spiraling, yeah, yeah. that's a way to bring that to a sense of himself moving through the world. So in, in the film, he catches he, the reflection yeah. in the mirror in the and his shop yeah. fronts, but I didn't feel like it, it was as organic as I was feeling it from yeah. reading about it in the in the book. And, and I don't think that's a failure of film. I just think it's a failure of a particular way of looking at those moments, which you yes. can visual, which you, you can use a visual vocabulary to impart that. And I, I wasn't quite getting that sense. To, to talk about a little bit of how the book was laid out, similarly, it's, it's actually like, even though there are differences in how they portray the emotions and thought process of Joe, it's quite a pretty similar, the adaptation is very respectful to the book. There's a bits that they cut out and kind of mixed up a little bit because of just time wise. I can kind of understand that. But for the most part, it's the same story in line for line. There's, I don't think there are any lines that really aren't in the book though. It's one of the first, first adaptations we've seen where the lines in the book stick out yeah. for me when the characters are uh, at the train, they're on the screen. Like, like, there's some really great lines that then you hear in, in the movie. 
I can't think of other films where direct bits of dialogue have been pulled and just yeah, delivered. Yeah, it's like word for word. Word for word. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly, and probably the most famous bit of dialogue wasn't from the book at all. It's oh, uh, walk in here. I'm walking oh, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's the line everybody takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that now having read the book, that wasn't even wasn't even yeah. there. I never the knew that was where that was from. I just kind of knew it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> ad-libbing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, felt, yeah. it felt too natural to have been written for him, necessarily. I mean, that being said, I, I imagine what this film would have been to an audience in 1965. Oh, it would have been revolution. It's so, and uh, the director was, they, I mean, people say he's the first openly gay couple, which is with his partner who worked on the film with him. Um, and they, he didn't hide the fact that he was gay as well, the director, you know, when they won the Oscar. Yeah. Though he decided not to a- attend the Oscar ceremony because he didn't think they would win. And he went on to direct Marathon Man with Dustin Hoffman as well after this. As, so. This was after The Graduate as well. I believe a year after The Graduate. Yeah, because he was a little bit older, I think. Um, but, yeah, so the, the book opens similarly in that he's choosing to leave the restaurant job, but then it kind of goes back to his beginnings of how he grew up in this house full of random women, and one of them might have been his mom, but he wasn't really sure. And then later on he reflects maybe they were prostitutes, he didn't really know what they did, and then when he was probably like five or six, he got dropped off at what was told to be his grandmother who raised him. And essentially he was brought up with the idea that his only thing he could do was that he was a special child, but he was special in the sense of pleasing her which I think kind of follows through in the story to that his specialness comes from his ability to make women happy, like his grandmother, and his only sort of male sort of roles that are in his life are the men that his grandmother falls in love with who are kind of fleeting. Yeah, I, I thought he had a really remarkable ability through an economy of writing yeah. to give you whole senses of a particular character. So I don't think he had to mention Woody. No, who was his grandmother's love interest. And in one passage, and then you you completely understood what that relationship meant to him. It was extraordinary that I could could get... It gives you enough power that you can see why Joe is so fascinated and holds on to this person, despite only giving snatches of information about him. You understand why that's become such a a pivotal figure for him. Right, and that a a character he holds on to in in, in the course of the book as a a way to stabilize himself again. In the film, the only scene is when you get a flashback of the grandmother in bed with a man and he's in the bed in between them and how happy is in that moment in that relationship that for that second is so joyful and content and that's kind of his idea of what yeah yeah and you see him like leading him out when uh, Woody's riding the horse at the road yeah. and like, like, like jo- um, Joe's with him yeah so that's like in his mind he's kind of and even like I will like the casting of the film I think is great and I think John Boyd is able to be this kind of almost childish character and he looks like a little babyish almost and because he's stuck in that kind of childlike mentality um, and then you kind of move on and you see his next relationship which in the book it's called Chalkline Annie right and then in the film is Crazy Annie um, which it's 
quite, I mean, it's a, I think that's maybe how they differentiate the most is how they represent the events of that. Mm -hmm. So in the book, it's he, his first time having sex is with this girl who's called Chalkline Annie because she constantly is having like a, what the word for it is, she's just having sex with all sorts of men constantly. And they have the same theme scene where they're in the theater and they're sort of making out and the boys are making fun of them and they go into a room and he has sex with her and like all the boys are watching. Um, but then in the film they change the fact that the police come and grab them because they fall in love, I guess, and this is his like, you know, long lost romance in the film's idea and the cops pull them apart. It kind of looks like he's being raped, but I couldn't tell. That just makes me think that she was underage and her father Maybe that was it. informed the police about it. And I didn't understand that at all. No, I don't know. I couldn't tell. I don't know, what did you get away from that versus the book's portrayal of their relationship? The, the book, it feels like it's used as his touchstone. So that relationship informed everything Joe believes about himself yeah. and his kind of pursuit and goal to please women. And that feels like the only thing of worth he can offer. And that feels like what, what, what it's used for in the book, despite it being like an unusual and kind of almost like uncomfortable relationship given how it forms and the movie almost uses it as as his almost as his motivation to move away I feel like that's why the movie uses it as a repeat motif it's almost like Jones on the run from that and he's trying to recapture that kind of glory of pleasing a woman whilst getting away from his past experiences versus the film, which is kind of more of a stereotypical romance, and then... No, no, I don't think the movie uses it in, in, in that way. Yeah. Because, because you get in that repeating motif of yeah. putting back to it. The fact the book doesn't reference it... it ever again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a, it seems feels like a big pivotal thing in the first part, yeah. and then never mentioned again. No. Um, I thought those flashbacks really worked for me in the movie. I know yeah. you, you were the fans on. But it just felt like that 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 made John Voight's performance of this fairly sunny disposition yeah. young man, despite his circumstances being becoming bleaker and bleaker. Yeah. It almost felt like because he it feels like he's running from this quite traumatic seeming event in his past, maybe Maybe his current situation doesn't seem as awful to him as the thought of going back to that. His options at this point are stay in New York and try and make this work, or go back to Texas, where it feels like his life was not where he wanted it. What do you think of the difference in how they use her? I actually read them. I read the character of Annie quite differently in the book and the film. Not necessarily how pivotal she was to Joe, because I think yeah. in both instances that's true. But like in the book, she just kind of seemed exhausted and yeah. like like she, she was having sex with all these guys like one after the other. Yeah. Right, they were literally just lining up, and she just kind of lay there and accepted it. And yeah. it got like a very different personality to the woman in the film, who's kind of screaming and like very animated and. That felt like obvious. Like, are they meant to be attacking her as well? I couldn't really figure out what was happening. And it was it's almost like they're chasing her, but I don't know if they're chasing her because they found her or if they're chasing her to have sex with her. Exactly. Um, 
so yeah I don't know and then it, I did find it very strange like I'd almost not forgotten about her but like as you get to the end of the book you forget that storyline was ever even a part of it because it's not woven through the same way um, but then there's a whole other segment that just never happens right the bit after that oh so after that he goes to the whorehouse well he meets Perry uh-huh. which I found actually really interesting and crucial to the ending of the book um, which we can kind of talk about but so he goes to a whorehouse I don't know where is it again is it in, it's in Houston it's when he's in Houston he meets this guy at the cafe he's working at called Perry and Perry's oh this is what was so interesting so Perry's job how he makes money is that he is kind of like a do, a dominatrix is that he gets paid by men to put them down and make them feel like shit which relates to something else in the story but Perry says, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. Do you want to have sex? Okay, we're going to go to this whorehouse and you're going to have sex with this woman. And then he meet, he goes to this, it's this like decrepit older woman and then he gets kidnapped and stays there. And the woman he sleeps with at the whorehouse is very similar to Annie though. Yeah. In how her, the fact that he's actually treating her with sort of this innocent level of kindness and appreciation that she's so shocked by because she's so used to being treated like an object but then they hold him ransom and then he has to have sex with her son is what I gathered the woman who owned the house right I couldn't tell what was oh, happening I, that that kind of, I mean it's entirely possible I, I got a thing yeah. yeah so he was being raised Tom in, Baby is that what he was called Tom yeah they, Tom, Tom Baby that she has a son that's gay that's raping him because he's like kind of blacked out while he's there yeah 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 like face down he's talking about something being taken from him yeah I just that was the point but not that this wasn't a like obviously that's a compelling and a horrific way story this is the point where I was like where are we going we just (laughs) keep having these random like random encounters yeah none of them connect yeah and that I've always began to lose patience a little bit and then we go into the what I felt like 50% was the actual Story. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I like, think definitely. It just felt a bit disjointed. I know it's a yeah. masterpiece of a classic, but as I was reading it, it felt disjointed. But that scene is cut from the film, so you don't even. Yeah. To me, I but, thought that was kind of a crucial sequence because oh. it was just, it. It was the station between the old life and the new life. Mm. His first encounters with the politics of, of sex and things yeah. in that kind of transactional situation, yeah. Structure. Yeah. And I think I think it was crucial for him to encounter that before he then went off into New York City mm. to his the new life. I think he yeah, he then meets Rizzo, of course, yeah. and gives him a whole other kind of structure. Yeah. But I think he needed to be in the in the heart of that kind of complex. Yeah. I was surprised system. that they just completely dropped that. that was yeah, 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 yeah. Throw back anything, yeah. Weirdly, yeah. yeah. it felt like I agree with Tony. It felt really pivotal in the book. Yeah. But I don't think the movie lost much by not having it. No. Weirdly. Well, it just felt like a strange choice because everything else was so mm. to, to the letter, literally. Yeah, yeah. That it felt strange to just cut that entire. In sequence. the book, for me, though, that scene works worked just because it. When he, he has, all that stuff happens with with Harry and, and Tom Baby and everything, and then he, when he meets um, Rico, it it feels like that's happening again. You get the sense that, that Joe's so desperate for like companionship or or someone to like guide him because yeah. he feels a bit rudderless. 
that even though a, such a similar thing's already happened with Perry, he's met this random person yeah. at a bar and they're offering him all these niceties and help. They just feel like, oh, you're just going to keep making these same mistakes. He's like a puppy that gets kicked but comes back yeah. for like love. Yeah. I don't think he's trusting because he knows what he's doing, but he just he prefers the companionship to any alternative. Yeah. So he, he knows that he's basically walking into more pain or more. You yeah, know, yeah. yeah. He, say, he says this in the book, the book and it implies it in the movie. Like he's got this. He's angry and he's got his vengeance for for Rico after what he does for him. And as soon as he sees him, he's just so relieved to know someone yeah. that he, that kind of immediately washes away. Yeah. But it, the problem is, like, I find he's such an alienating character both in the book and the film. In that. A Joe, you mean? Yeah, in Joe, in the fact that you know, no one looks like him. He dresses. He, he's play acting to be this cowboy, and he's playing dress up almost. And people are sort of like off-put by him, I think. You know, when he's in the in the film, when he's like in the bus playing his radio out loud. I just um, literally think of you know, when people watch videos on their phone, yeah. it's like, you know, it's so annoying. Exactly, but because you're going for like 12 hours or like 31 hours at the yeah. end, like, no, Joe. But I think people, like most people in the sense, they feel like, oh, he's being a bit weird because he is a bit weird and he's kind of alienates other people because he's not kind of being authentic in that way. And like I think you know when he meets Rizzo, Rizzo in himself is sort of an alienating character. So I think they kind of bond over that. Sort of okay, I think that's what makes Joe's relationships with people quite poignant. Is that we we never actually saw a scene with Woody. Woody might have been the only male figure who yeah. gave him even the least bit of attention. Yeah, and maybe in in still in the ways people can be attentive to you, it probably wasn't even that much. Yeah. Really, but it was just more so than someone who gave him no attention at all, which I think most of his his yeah. grandmother's Companion. boyfriends did, didn't even acknowledge him. So the fact that somebody would actually say even one sentence to him or share one experience with him was enough to make him completely devoted. If that implied that every other man uh, his grandmother Sally was with only wanted her and not him, yeah. and Woody felt like the only one who like was happy to embrace him as well. Like, yeah. The only thing he wasn't left alone yeah. was when she was with Woodson. And Woodsy in the book is described, and you see in the film briefly, he's kind of a cowboy, so that's why he kind of probably chooses to emulate that oh, yeah, character. Because yeah, yeah. that's his ideal man. And even his grandmother didn't spend that much time with him. She yeah. was always at the salon or she was out on dates yeah, yeah. with the boyfriends. Yeah, yeah it's in, the, in the book he has that revelation where he realises that maybe his grandmother wasn't this wonderful <laughs> figure that he kind of built her up to be. But it was the closest person with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So of course he's going to he, he will devote all his energy to it. Now I think we see the same thing played out in New York when he meets Ritzo, but that's the same thing is at play. Um, but after a while he becomes the only link to any kind of real communication for him. Because he's he's not finding it in the sexual field, because those are just meant to be transitory. And he's so bad at it. It's amazing. In the book as well, he's so bad at being a prostitute for someone who, like, thinks he's the, you know, the hottest thing on the block. And I think that also has to do with the fact that he's brought up in a sense where his grandmother is like, you're the most special, you're the best guy, 
like it's almost this kind of millennial thing where he thinks he's like the hottest thing and then he goes to New York City New York City is like no you're not yeah. special sorry <laughs> it's like when you get your pool and you go to uni and then you realize you're actually from a small town and everyone and you're like oh shit what do I do now because you, yeah you're not special like yeah everyone is just as special as you which I thought was kind of well you see you see both New York and Florida used as those mecca fantasies Mm -hmm. and that's why like in life because you are not no one's a special snowflake (laughs) that you know having companionship and people in your life to kind of share these experiences and communicate that with are so crucial which he like learns at a more an older age because his grandmother never teaches him and never encourages to have those type of relationships and the only relationships he has as a child are like being used really as an object one one thing that i think the film actually does better is give us, at least it gave me a better sense of the entirety of their relationship. In the book I felt, because of its length too, we were only given the most essential scenes, the most essential conversations between the two. Mm -hmm. So by the time at the end it was wanting me to believe just how uh, profound this relationship would become, I, I wasn't always there. I yeah. understood it lyrically, I think, but I didn't quite understand. Like, I wish you had even written 50 more pages to just take us to through some more of the daily routines you guys have. Exactly. And they did it. They were able somehow to do it in the film. There was that really lovely scene where he was cooking for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah There's lots of scenes at that where it feels like you can feel this life they built together yeah. rather than these fleeting moments. Yes, yeah. and I do think the film was able to communicate that better. And maybe because the film, unlike the book, you're halfway through the book before you even meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. here, yeah. He, because it was Dustin Hoffman, yeah, Dustin yeah, Hoffman you feel much better. You feel much with him longer. was my favourite thing about the whole Obviously, yeah. it was my favourite So I felt a bit cheesy in the book where you didn't, I didn't know what I was reading it for and then I got hurt there and I was like, okay, this is what I'm reading it for. It's great. Yeah, and then the film, you you do get that look in there. The most moving part was when that scene before they go up to the party. Oh, oh when they let, that was just the when they're taking the sweat off him, and the way that Dustin Hoffman oh. leans into him. Yeah. Oh wait, in the book, wait, there's this whole like thought process where he says, and we look at each other, and there's something in that moment yeah. that neither of us can deal with. So we don't say anything because we know if we do, it's just going to be so explosive to either of us. And it's really that love that they have for each other because they're both so lost and battered down by life that they're just kind of, you know, yeah. hanging on. them has ever been taught a healthy way to express that, so they just kind just of look, yeah. They're just like looking yeah. and being oh. like, oh, I don't know what that is. And that's where you get the heartbreaking bit in the book and the film where at the end, when it's a bit too late, but the oh, joy of like, him, uh, he holds him, but it feels a bit... When he's just like trying to yeah. hold on to that relationship, it's just like, like God, And for some reason, I think two actors are able to... The chemistry between the two of them is really amazing. They're incredible. I think the so casting of them... Soup, but he can't even hold the soup. Yeah. shaking And so the fact that you get to see that switch in the relationship yeah. where you've got, you've got uh, Rico looking after Joe quite a yeah. lot, even if it's start off with 
for kind of his own games and stuff. He's cooking for him. He's after him. Yeah, and like cutting his hair and stuff. And then yeah. at the end, you've literally got like Joe changing his clothes and mopping his brow. And I but I love, yeah. I do love, <laughs> I even love him. I do, even though it's so weird, the party scene is so. It's just like, what is yeah. Yeah. Fun fact. So all the people in the film are from Studio 54, Andy Warhol yeah, member. And he was actually supposed to be in the film, but he was filming something else, so he missed the day that they were supposed to film. So the, the yeah. Party scene for me was oh. the best thing. It was so good. Well, yeah. I listened to an interview with what uh, John Childers, and he was saying how all the people from Studio 54 came. So they also bought their drugs, so most of what was happening was actually happening. <laughs> But the, that party is like such a perfect encapsulation of like you've got Rico and Joe who are literally struggling to like not die, yeah. um, and then you've got this kind of party happening in the exact same city, like so much excess walking yeah. distance from this. Uh, X flat that they're yeah. holed up in yeah. minutes away from being demolished. But that's New York City. It's a great like example. Exactly. Of, like, well, Especially yeah, that kind like, of yeah. yeah, yeah. And they keep talking about this frontierness and how all this is happening. That feels very much a part of it. Do you think, because obviously you kind of read half the book, then saw the film, then read the other half of the book? Do you think you would have got the same level of enjoyment from the party scene if you hadn't seen it visually first? Because for me, that I think that actually translated better in film than in the book. I, I think, yeah, visually, yes. I literally, I was, I was on the chapter before the party mm-hmm. in the book when we watched the movie. Yeah. So I hadn't... No, I think the party scene in the film is better. Yeah. I think it's good in the uh, book, I but know, I just... The, the performance I, of the old croon in, yeah. in the book yeah. is yeah. really... Yeah. I was waiting for it. It's really great. I didn't quite get it. Yeah. I, I wasn't... I didn't think it was missing from, from the movie, really. But that's such a really cool scene. Just in that moment of... I've never taken drugs, but the, the fact that he's in this one minute thinking it's the most compelling and kinship building and connecting moment ever, and a split second later, like, he feels discon- disconnected from people and pulled away. Um, I think the problem for me with the, the visualization, the party scene in the film is, you know, and unfortunately, it's it's hindsight. I found it really cliche. This is, yeah, it was probably the first time a scene like that had been filmed. Oh, but unfortunately, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So many times now that it does. I, we were talking afterwards, and we were saying like, if you were watching this in '69, when it came out, oh when that, especially after like an hour and twenty-five minutes of like this building bleakness. Yeah. All of a sudden, you got this visual cornucopia of like excess and seemingly good times and weirdness and connections. Would have been like, like you say, yeah. That that's like every fucking drug party yeah, scene, every movie ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but, it's, so it's like a, it, but it's difficult to project but myself. It's, back yeah, in yeah. That but I think it's cool to think this is the foundation for all those scenes that we've mm. seen since, though. Yeah. Yeah. That this is what started, you know, showing something it's like that. It sounds like it carries a lot of history because I, like, even when we finished watching it, I have I d- not done my research, obviously, yeah. <laughs> and I, um, so it was like, oh, this one best picture, and I was like, what? <laughs> Oh, best picture, actually, best director, best tapestry. Yeah. probably was. You have to. I think you have to keep it within its decade and just think that people watching it at yeah, that yeah. moment. The problem with the interpretation yeah. of it that we're doing now. Yeah. The first mainstream film that was rated X. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I honestly think now it's yeah. like. And it's the only X rated movie to win Oscar. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so. so it probably. It's difficult to judge now because obviously you don't get that. T- t- if you strip everything away from though, those central performances 
deserve to be oh, on, yeah, deserve yeah, to be on a Best yeah. Picture nomination for that. Film itself, like Best Actor, maybe, but Best Picture. To me, I mean, I'd love to it up again. Yes. So, 1969. Um, well, in what I sort of read about it, it was sort of a dark horse because the Academy at that time um, was quite conservative because it was sort of Reagan era politics. Work for me at all. Because I suddenly thought, thought it behind I suddenly it's my favorite sequence. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I suddenly thought it was Joe and, and Rico's ex- most excellent adventure. Because when he was thinking about their their lives, what their lives are going to be like in Florida. Oh no, I did love that sequence. I did love that sequence. <laughs> oh my god! And Rico's cooking for everyone, and then they all go over. Really? Oh my! So. Actor, he was against. Oh, so Dustin Hoffman was against John Wayne, Richard Burden, Peter O'Toole, and jo- they were both up for Best Actor. John Voight that's and a, Dustin that's Hoffman. That's as well for a movie to get. Yes. Today they would have said Dustin Hoffman take a Best Supporting Actor because you were probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then wait, it doesn't show the winners. Wait. What was in Best Picture? Uh, best Picture. So good. Okay, so Anne of the Thousand Days, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Kid, it was Hello. Dolly and Zed. Zed? I don't know that one, but I mean, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and Hello Dolly are too big, but they're they're not original necessarily in the same way. Right. Um, But yeah. But I I wish in that sequence, I'm I'm not sure I needed that or needed as much of it as I was given. Mm -hmm. I I would just have loved to have seen Dustin Hoffman standing there giving me a sense Mm -hmm. of what he was thinking of that. Was going what the possibility. I love the di- I love the dialogue that like sort of monologue that he gives about I'm gonna get a job, I'm gonna take care of you and you know, I'm you know, I know I you know, I'm a bad hustler and I'm not good at this yeah. and it's gonna our life is gonna be great and him fantasizing about having a woman who just loves being made love to and sort of like this is his great life, like you know, I'll be a dishwasher, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just in the book where he talks about them looking after Rico like he's there like a child. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, oh that was so that writing and that like yeah. speech was so good. It was just so powerful. And when he falls down the stairs. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so you don't get it in the film. So I do think it was a beautiful scene where John Boyd goes into a sort of charity shop and buys some clothes for them after um, Dustin Hoffman pees himself. Which I love how he made him laugh, and he's like, that sort of like, yeah, yeah. oh my god, instead of being I'm like, oh my god, it was, yeah, and it was just, it was so amazing to see that. And then he gets them new clothes, and he dresses it up in this cool like floral shirt, and he's like, that was the last shirt. Yeah, I love that. The last and just like taking care of him in the book they like show him the fact that he's unconscious already and like stripping him naked in the back seat yeah. and like taking care of him and all how da- damaged his body is by that point it's just like oh my god your heart is just being because in the film you don't get as much background about Rico do you yeah. like you don't get the fact he's one of like well, 13 children or something crazy like that and you see his dad's grave but you don't get that kind of additional background <coughs> yeah. so. and that those last few years when it was just he and his father, yeah. father yeah. Yeah. table at the yeah that kind of gives you a little bit more insight into his motivation because you could take him as 
I don't think you could take him as unlikable. You know, he's not a nice person. He, he swindles people. He's like a hustler. He's not initially the most sympathetic. But I think when you get that background, you understand why, and then it gives you more kind of effect. I think you, I think you get enough in the movie. I love him. Yeah, yeah. Me but yeah, yeah. Like he, he wins you over. So yeah, yeah. yeah I completely yeah. Agree, yeah. But I don't think that background would be but then, yeah, Dustin Hoffman makes him such a great character anyway that yeah. you love I think the there's like an added line in the scene in the book when he falls down the stairs, though, because doesn't John Hoyt's character try and help him, though? He tries to stay or something. Yes. Whereas in the movie, he kind of just goes and Dustin Hoffman is like, I'm okay, I'm okay, go. Whereas in the book, there's a little bit more of a, like, a tug of war with like him not wanting to leave his friend. Um, we can't. The performance by the woman who plays the woman he sleeps with at the end, I thought, was amazing. When they're when they're playing Scrabble, Scrabble together, and then they're having sex on top of the Scrabble, I thought that was really good. Money, money, and she, and why? She yeah. was given a lot more to do with that character than it was written yeah. in the book. I think in the book it wasn't as important, but I think she yeah. gave a lot. The, the more. book gives ten pages to. Their entire thing, like yep. the party scene with mm. them together and the actual yeah, escapades, yeah, yeah. Yes. is like 10 15 pages. But also, when the film was almost over, I was like, God, they're gonna have to pack a lot of the latter half of this book into those mm. 10 minutes. Like, it does feel condensed. But I did think that they, they wrote her a bit more to do because I kept thinking the, the producers, writer, director yeah. were trying to get her to ask the questions that I think they thought the audience was asking by that point, which yeah. She thought, are you possibly gay? Yeah. Is this what your relationship is like with this with yeah. this other guy? I, did, I wasn't quite sure that was even needed because I, I, I really like the way they study that relationship between those, yeah. those two men. It can, it, it can be one of profound love that doesn't necessarily have to do with sex. But I, I feel like everyone's going, we need to have her ask these questions yeah. just so we can yeah. definitively... Yeah, but I think that's the same as I, because you get enough of that with... At the party scene when she asked them, "Oh God, are you a couple? Are you together?" Yeah. Like that's that's enough, and then you see him like taking her, sort of thing, and I, I think that leaves less questions. Well, yeah, because the, the next morning all he has to do is just recharge whatever he needs to do overnight, and yeah, then yeah. he is able to perform. And, but I thought it was also interesting that they made her getting ready for work. She was a businesswoman. Yeah. And there was a lot more going on with in her, her, yeah. the suggestion of who she was exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the fact that, that she'd actually set him up with like future yeah, business. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. I love that when she out. made that phone call to her friend. She's like, "This is, it's great. You'll love it. You just have yeah. to do it. Well, like it's a new drug or something. When's your husband's poker night? Yeah, yeah. That was such a good line. I think that works because you don't have that scene in the book. So the fact, the fact that Joe's got this future thing, and he's kind of got what he set out to achieve in New York, he's he is this stud, and he's got these beautiful, rich women paying for services, and like he, he's been confirmed to be this stud that he thinks he is, and then the fact that he gives that up and become does these violent acts so he can take Rico to Florida and give that life up that he wanted so desperately. Is really powerful. Whereas in, in in the in the book, he tells Rico that he's got this everything sorted, but yeah. in actuality, he's scrambling on the streets in New York trying to find fifty dollars. But there's but there's that really beautiful passage in the book that also gives you a sense of what's uh, what's happened to him when they said he 
he can't quite answer for it, but suddenly he wants to be responsible yeah. for this other person. And you're quite without making the decision to do so. Yeah. It's it's happened. Purpose. They right. never yeah. had, no one's ever relied on him. He's, ne- he's never been responsible for anything. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he was never, he's never been asked to be. To be yeah. Yeah. And suddenly he finds the capacity to do that. And they said in, in the book you wrote it to, they said it wasn't. It wasn't a heavy burden. Mm. It was oh, it was, like, it was like a. Oh, what does he say? It's like a warm feeling or something. It's not heavy, yeah. but it's light. And the way he's describing the feeling of having this responsibility was amazing. And it's it, it, and that's the thing that you can't quite achieve in the film. That's so beautiful in the book is that he continually finds himself in these situations where, and, and Joe's not a great thinker or a very deep thinker, but he's yeah. aware of things that are happening, and he. he he doesn't quite have the ability to coherently piece them together, but he's just a, when he's in the room with the first man after yeah. he was left him with the guy. Mm. Oh, the, the, oh, the guy uh, who's. Oh, Daniel, Daniel, Mr. O'Daniel. And they say, you know, somebody was changing there. He was looking around in certain details of the room going, I don't yeah. think that this guy, he's dressed in a bathrobe. Yeah. <laughs> he, this is a really seedy hotel room. Uh, nothing about this. Scenario seems quite what I was expecting, and it means something. It means something, and they. But he he doesn't have the capacity to quite grasp what it is. But but that's it. I was was a little bit perplexed by the if if they're going to if they're going to leave that whole scene with Perry and but leaving Mr. And leaving the the two gentlemen, and those scenes to me seem so rushed. Oh, you in the in the book the. The both of those characters mm. just have this cavalcade of, you know, they just vomit forth these words and things. What's the name of the guy? Oh, Towny is the name oh, of the yeah, town. Oh, yeah, Kobe Townsend, yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was really compacted and compacted and something that didn't quite have the, the power that I thought it was going to have. I mean, I think Mr. O'Daniel was really a tool to show. You know, New York City will always try and like dupe you. It's never in your favor. Mm. You know, you can't trust it to for the outcome to be I, your benefit. I, lo- I loved uh, Daniel just because it you never get answers to it, but it made yeah. me ask questions about how Rico knows Joe. Uh, yeah, exactly. We never find out. And, like, why does he bring Joe to him? Right? Yeah. And, and he's got that whole thing about oh, Daniel talking about lonesome and how everyone's lonesome and all the boys that come to him say lonesome. And he's like, did Rico go to Daniel? Yeah. Like when he was desperate, like, and it, it's that why Rico and, and yeah, and Joe are drawn together because yeah. they are just these two lonesome people trying to find yeah. something, and that and that really works because then in juxtaposition to to Townsy at the at the end, Joe couldn't handle Daniel and literally has to to run away. But at the end, when forced through his new responsibility, he's willing to push himself to the limits that he's only ever really kind of. Jokingly said about himself that he's this like when he, he moves in with Rico and he's like oh I'm this killer like yeah. watch out I'm vengeful and then he enacts okay. on this these sort things. of grandstanding yeah yeah and also he finds out this vision where he can do these yeah these things. oh isn't there a line where he says in the book I don't need to talk to myself in the mirror anymore yeah yeah that's it that's Which it, I yeah. thought was so when, he's, when he's thinking about his plans now Rico's dead and he's just yeah. on the on the bus. And he's like, I can think plans through without having to look in the mirror, and it's... That's huge for him, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he's, he's realised that... Yeah, his appearance is significant now. Yeah, yeah and I yeah. think that that's the way the film visualises that line in the book when we see him 
putting into the rubbish all at costume. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. He seems yeah, much more comfortable. Yeah, and he, said, he, said, he says in the book, like, I can't remember how he describes his loads, but he says he likes them enough, or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. good yeah. enough. And it's interesting, because even dressed the way that he when he's more casual, he, there's still... A, a charge between him and that waitress. Yeah. That was a brilliant Oh, that was scene. great. It was so Such different. a small scene. But yeah. yeah like if it just shows the different plates and how he isn't alienating himself anymore by putting on this facade. But he still has a charm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Women is going to draw him. Yeah. Woman will doesn't matter that he's not a cowboy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't have to put this on yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. He can just be himself he's and enough. it's okay. Yeah. Right. And, and he's, he still has a charisma. Yeah. yeah. And by then, he's so focused on Riz- Rizzle that, that he, really he, he doesn't work the moment or overwork yeah. the moment. But I think he's aware of the effect he's had. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with the two, which I'd like to see them both the book and the film where he gets on the bus for the first time with two teenage girls. Obviously, have a reaction yeah. about it. And you've got a lovely scene where, like, even the young girl is drawn to him and he's doing a thing with the, he's hiding the cat with her. Like. And that, the, not in the book, is it? No, no, no. in the book at all. No, the, the, the book, the, the scene with him on the bus in the book is really, oh. really sweet. Mm, yes. yes. He has to like, he talks about how powerful the machine is eventually, and then, yeah. and then it's there. Um, and then, 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 what's great about that scene, too, because it encapsulates a lot of other things I thought they lost in leading up to that moment, because he's, he's just coming out of those dreams, and when he wakes up, there are two abandoned seats. Yeah. Mm. Empty seats. And those were the only people to that point, I think, where we had seen him actually have a, a kind of human contact. Yeah, yeah. And he's just woken up from those dreams of, of all the abandonment issues that yeah. he's had. I mean, it, it wouldn't have worked to, to see it visualized in the film either, but you know, that that con- that continual dream he has about the people who are connected mm. with a golden... Oh, yeah. yeah. And he becomes one of them at the yeah, end. At the yeah. end. But until that point, he's not able to access them, so you feel how he feels a little out of stuff. Yeah. What do you think of the portrayal of the scene with Townie in the book versus the film? It went for me again. It went too, way too, too quick. Fast. I love the way it was built because it just because he went back and forth. So in the book, he obviously he picks up this guy in the street and he's in this hotel room and the guy's like rambling and then he leaves and he gets Rizzo and they go to the bus stop and then he's like, I'm gonna go back and get right. the money. That, I think we needed the second visit. I disagree. That you, oh. The 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 fact that it was so quick yeah. and kind of out of nowhere in the movie worked. It just shows how desperate Joe is in this moment. He he does he clearly doesn't want to have to do these things, but he has to for for Rico. I think if he the the Joe we see in the movie, I don't know if he could have gone back. You know, once he'd made the choice to leave, I'm not sure he would have been able to convince himself to go back. It was all or nothing in that moment. And in the film, they leave it a little more to question about whether or not uh, he killed him or not. Whereas in the book, you know that he did it. I think that he did not kill him. Whereas yeah. in, the, in, in, in the film, it's kind of a little more like you see him putting the phone down, but you don't know whether or not he's like. Oh, in the movie, you see him stuffing his mouth. Yeah, but you yeah. don't know if he's left him alive. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the, uh, what is the point of stuffing some receiver in someone's mouth? Don't know. <laughs> well, he was in, particularly in the book, isn't he? Like he's on the phone endlessly, and like he's not even oh, talking yes. straight. He's talking to someone else. Maybe just. Oh no! Well, in the book, it's because he thinks he's going to call the cops. The cops. So that. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I guess that's the same thing, like that he might have called. Yeah. He also comes after Joe, doesn't he? 
Does he? No, he's he's like box? he's like holding on to the table. That's it. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the book, he tries to run away. Like Joe comes back in and pulls the phone. But out he does that same line. The way he's like, I'm not calling anybody. I'm not calling anybody. Yeah, yeah. But it feels different. But I wanted to feel Tony's desperation more. In the book, it's built up into mm. such yes. a spiral. I think that when you get uh, his sort of rambling speech about his his mother and their life and like how they live together, and it's very. It kind of reflects, I think, Joe's relationship with his grandmother on the dependence and the sort of almost Norman Batesy mm-hmm. type of situation. So I think, you know, him and Townie are actually two sides of the same coin almost. Mm. It's just the fact that he still has his, well, his mother uh, sort of raising him almost. Where And Joe probably would be in the same position if yeah. his well, Sally was still alive. In the movie and the book, you get a feeling that Joe likes likes him. Yeah. No, no, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think so. he understands him. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the book especially, it feels like he, he keeps thinking, he, I'm sure he says he seems like a nice man and Joe almost feels guilty before he's even done anything that he has to like take his money. Maybe I just didn't like him so I But that's where Harry came back into my mind is in the end that kind of sudden relationship they had to have where he's somehow welcoming being abused. So, yeah, oh yeah. So that was the thing. Yeah. That ties back into Perry in the beginning, where he is sort of this dom, dom who's sort of putting down this other man, and Joe's doing the same thing that Perry was doing. Sort of the. I got I got the vibe as well. The in the in both the book and the movie, the scene where Joe picks up the young student who offers him $27 yes. and then they he have that altercation in the bathroom because he hasn't yeah. got the money and stuff. And I, in both, both situations I got the vibe that the student was hoping Joe was going to hurt him. Yeah. But like they, yeah, yeah, like we, we wanted Joe to attack him and that's why he didn't have the money and all this kind of stuff. Why is that? Because I feel Joe, like it's... Joe, a always get the money first. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the rules of being a money Get cash, don't get a check. (laughs) Why do you think there is this running theme about people wanting to be hurt on purpose and getting pleasure out of that? Because it keeps happening in the book and the film. Why? What is it trying to tell you about Joe's story? Well, I I think due to the time, a lot of the men were self-loathing homosexuals. And that is just part and parcel of that time period, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're at least getting someone touching you and paying attention to you, and it's a kind of in- intimacy almost, even if it's hurt. You're getting emotion directed towards you again. Which is, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that's why to me that the, the idea of that Tali wants him to come back the next evening because then he will finally have the courage, or strike mm-hmm. up the courage to act. Just ridiculous emotion, and the same thing with the students. Yes. I mean, these are times when people had to be furtive, and they had to find. Do you think is it considered? And I've never like heard it mentioned as an important queer film, though. And I found. I don't know. Is it okay, so, I, mean, I think that's probably revolutionary at that time period too, that they would even have scenes that would suggest homosexuality. Mm, yeah. The yeah. fact of treating, but having, I mean, I mean, the, having that character be treated somewhat humanly, yeah. which I think treats the characters 
quite humanly. And yeah. it's quite equal opportunities, to be honest. But I don't, I don't think he's discerning. Yeah. Because yeah. they suggest even before he leaves yeah. um, where he is in Texas, yeah. he has served oh, yeah, men and women. Because there's a scene in the beginning after Chuck Annie that one of his friends at the time wanted the same thing that Annie had, so they went into mm. the cupboard and they yeah, yeah, had yeah. sex together, essentially, yeah. when he was a kid. But he doesn't... It's interesting because in his thought process, he never thinks about his sexual preference of men, men or women. He never kind of... sex as sex, like a transactional yeah. activity. Yeah. Like, yeah. Regardless of He just wants to please people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and he, sex is a tool for that, so yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a man or woman. Yeah. And it's what he thinks he does best. Yeah. 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 That's his... His ability, yeah. and I think that's why he thinks he's going to compel them. But I do, I do like the very last line in the book too, and it's communicated in the film where it says you know, he holds on to, to Rico, not only as a comfort to Rico, but he needs it for himself. Yeah, because he his next great adventure is going to begin, and we hope that he's going to be up for it now that he again doesn't have anyone yeah. in sharing. He's kind of back to be like on the yeah. by himself. No. And he, yeah. you can tell he's like scared so he's trying to hold on to Rico like a little bit of you know I want a little bit less support for what I'm going to have to do and make it on my own now and I'm not going to have you anymore so I have to kind of pull him in again. And it just I mean, I was tearing up at the ending. I was, it was oh, really heartbreaking. Tells him, would you like to close, close his, his eyes? eyes. <laughs> and he's like, what, why? And he's like, just reach over and close his eyes. And it's, oh, but, he, yeah. but it's interesting because he dreams of, of that last moment of having something much more conventional. Mm, yeah. He says he looks forward to having a job, even if it's in... A dishwasher, a dishwasher, a dishwasher. Yeah. doesn't matter. But Rico is part of that though. He's yeah. like his weird, like nuclear family child. Yeah, <laughs> like he's he's part of that dream though. You know, oh, like, and then when he, really he fantasizes about washing Rico in the bath and his hair mm-hmm. and and like feeding we'll, him, we'll make we'll make him wash his like, hair at least once once a week. Rico, yeah, <laughs> like, having him as his like baby to take care of because Rico at that point like can't walk and well, he's completely comatose for who knows what reason, but. Nobody kept talking about you know what they do to you when they know you can't yeah. walk anymore. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. No. But, but even we see it in the film and in the book too the first time he wakes up after he's just so exhausted he falls asleep the first time he goes to Rico's house yeah. and he wakes up and says, Where are my boots? Where are my boots? And he goes, Well, take your boots off because yeah. you can sleep better that yeah, way. Yeah. So we see that already at play. But I think it's an amazing example of character building, though, through such a short period of time that you really see them grow up in the film and, like, to truly develop an amazing bond that you kind of you feel and you're connected with and you're pained by the loss of it by the end of it. And I think it really packs a punch both in the book and the film, though. Equally, I think it really, that pain and that fear of them not being together anymore is quite beautiful. What has, I mean, it, I don't know if it's in this edition, but the one, the one I had has a preface, I don't know who wrote it, they said this is probably one of the most profound no. books about male friendship mm. that exists, and he keeps 
you know, this person, whoever wrote it, thinks it's on the line of Steinbeck's of Mice and Men and of um, Last Texas to Brooklyn, Junior. Yeah, most men have good touch I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. But their relationship is very. Their relationship has that really beautiful detail to yeah. it. And it sneaks up on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're. you're and what he's, what he's trying to do is take two people that you would normally dismiss or think are capable of a certain degree of love and friendship. And he's, he's setting them up on a pedestal and saying these people are of value, even if they're, they're people that we normally would think of as outsiders. Yeah. You know, that they, they have dignity. There's a dignity. But yeah, it's, it's, they're two people that when you see on the street, as you see in the scenes of the film, you kind of walk away from or you sort of avoid. And, you know, when John Boyd's character is like trying to interact with other people, they're sort of like, you know, trying to walk quickly away, like when he's trying to get grab some of the women on the street to sleep with. Where's the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, where's the Statue of Liberty? That's his Good come on line. Uh, whereas, you know, you don't ignore them. There's something there, even though you think, you know, they're presenting this facade that they think you want, but, you know, they're still beautiful people, too. Yeah. They're not just scavengers. Oh, but can we please, I forgot, we haven't talked about the scene about the woman with the poodle that he's having sex with when she's on the phone with her, hu- her no, her her other lover. Yeah, it's yeah. not her husband. <laughs> It's so bizarre. I mean, dogs were a weird running theme because you have that and you also have the TV scene where they're dressing them up. Yeah. yeah that's it. And women who have children don't have time to do this. Yeah. Oh, yes, I forgot yeah. about that. And they're putting the yeah the little wig on the dog. There's a lot of stuff about TV in the film as well because they talk about how he's grown up watching TV and it's all about what people are presenting yeah. and acting. And when he first gets to the hotel and he realizes it means like a meter Oh, or yes. Like, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> but that's like his connection. He doesn't have any people, so it's his. He's alone. Yeah. yeah. So he's the radio. Yeah. Another voice. But I also yeah. think it's making, it was making a statement about television that you can continually make about television, that it's starting to appeal to the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. It's really reducing everything down to gaudiness and frivolity. And, and people are making yeah, real human connections, which I think she was supposed to be the example of. You know, she's on the phone with her lover while she's having sex with another man, and she's clearly not paying attention to either of them. And it's just getting that sort of, like, quick fix, but she's, there's no human connection. Like television, you get that kind of quick you know, emotional satisfaction, but you're not actually, there's no long-lasting enjoyment to it. Then she gets so upset when he suggests that, oh, uh, well, could you pay me now, please? It's like, no, pay me. But yeah, then of course he winds up giving her a cap. Because he doesn't have Tell them beforehand that you're prostitute. Yeah, you need to pay that clip before you enter into the New York upset is not too much to be what he thinks he's going to be. Yeah. But at any 
city, I think, when you go there. Cities aren't friendly places. They're not there for you. They will try and batter you down. And it's sort of finding people that you can hold on to, I guess. Like, you know. well, Joey says that. He feels, yeah. he feels like he's being drained by New York. <laughs> yeah. But Joe, to be a successful hustler, would need to be a lot more savvy <laughs> and a lot more ruthless. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not about being good looking. It's street smart. You know. Yeah, it's, it's, I like the some of the film shots when they're looking at the other prostitutes on the street, the other guys who are, mm. I thought were quite interesting seeing the other ones like looking at Joe and sort of being able to pick up men. <laughs> the cinematography I thought was amazing. Some of the shots of like when he's on the bus and they're driving through that tunnel uh, or when they're sort of in the town and you're looking at the diner behind the, the heads of these women with their like curled hair and they're looking at their ice cream. Uh, the shot of Justin Hoffman, he's like trying, I think he's trying to get a cab and he can't get the cab but then like tries to save himself by, he lights his cigarette on the cab. When he's stealing the, uh, yes. the room number from the gentleman. Oh yes, I forgot that. That was the most badass scene. I don't know how they did it but the fact that he like lit his cigarette and walked away yeah, from the moving car. Yeah, the metal in the car. <laughs> Like, he spins on his good leg, blows his smoke. That was one of the like Rico's like actual crowning moments. Yeah. It, kind of doing exactly what he told Joe he could do, and yeah. like hustling for him and making things happen. Kind of what he once was, I guess. Because then obviously you see him deteriorate. But at some point he probably was that not running the city, but running yeah. that little bit of town. Okay. Maybe like you know he's he enough was, to get by, but never yeah. have to really work. I guess exactly. Again, you know, yeah. love, love the whole strategy of knowing which building you're taking, especially yeah. ones that are condemned, and you, yeah, yeah. you just exist in them for as long as they're so available. You and then yeah. you, but again, you feel like he has a whole sense of how to strategize that kind of lifestyle. I mean, you, you've got to assume that he wasn't always called Ratso, and he has done things in his past yeah. to earn a claim yeah. like that. But if you so. put his brains in Joe's body, they'd be unstoppable. Well, that's what, at the party, you see, you see how it can work. Like, yeah. if, if Rico wasn't dying, like, that would have been the catalyst and the start of them actually mm -hmm. doing this hustle that they had set out. Like, they're, they're basically saying all they needed was a break, yeah. that was their break, but then... But then Rizzo, Razzo fell apart, and yeah. Yeah. so he had to sacrifice that. Yeah. But otherwise they would have been great. compliments as far as yeah. going into business together, <laughs> perhaps, yeah. would have worked. A treat. Yeah, it's true that all of the scenes at the beginning with him walking through the Texas town to give you a great sense of... Oh, that was a dead end town. Well, yeah. Yeah. How he was bigger than that, and sort of how he postured himself. Through it, it was a lot different. But, but I do like the book that you did so much see in the film again, because it probably wasn't needed, but I love all of the fantasies he has of being oh, big badass. Yes. Oh, and the things of that movie. In the beginning of the book, when he fantasizes how he's going to confront his manager at the cafe yeah. and like shove him up against the wall and take all his money and then go to New York City with all that money, but what in the real life he's just he's just like fine, like, like very timid and he can't yeah. actually like. In the book, he doesn't even ask for his last penny. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He just leaves because he's too he's scared, yeah. you know. He's, he's engaging the other dishwasher. He's like, oh really? Yeah. You're gonna go. <laughs> But you just have this this guy completely so 
Okay, go ahead, go on and have your adventure. Any that happens there? But yeah, and you do get the same scene in the book where he's like ripping up the postcard because he realizes that that's like his moment where he really knows he's alone. He has no one to write to that he's in New York City anymore. Yeah. The only person was that dishwasher who didn't really care. Didn't care. Probably didn't understand what you were, what you were doing. So one, one thing: was the film being coy, or did I read the scene wrong in the book when he asks for them to go down on their knees? Does he not perform fellatio on it? Who, who? When they pray. Oh, Daniel. Yeah. I Daniel. thought that was a, like a religious. Like he thinks that's what's going to happen. No. I think then, he thinks they're going to have sex. Yeah. But I think he because in the book he sees him again on the street preaching. Right. So he I really feel anything. So I don't think he was having sex with him in the book or in the. Maybe it's uh, just me, Tom. But I thought he was totally sucking his. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not just you. I thought he was just a Jew. I thought that was his expectation. <laughs> he like, thought he was going to have sex. Happening, and yeah. then he didn't. But for Joe to break away from it with the kind of speed and Because he just realized he's a crazy person. This is not yeah. sex. Where, because he didn't have a problem with having sex with men. I think he was just like, this guy is just nuts. He would have preferred it if that was but, what happened, I think. Because that was what he was expecting. Whereas he but, wasn't expecting... But then it wouldn't be proportioned how angry he was with... There is a lot in the book and in the film where they don't tell you exactly what yeah. happened. You kind of mm. have to infer... Like when he's at the the whorehouse, or when he may be having sex with these men. So just yes. felt too offended yeah. by what happened, but more so than just was the guy was a little he wanted to make money, and then he realized at that point there was no business. Like, no, yeah, no. We're just thinking like males. <laughs> oh no, totally. Yeah, typical. The, the two with the penises. It's definitely going to get his <laughs> more men than women in the book. Yeah. Well, like, it, I would say definitely like Yeah, I'd say it's a fair balance, yeah. yeah. Just too bad they couldn't fulfill their love for each other yeah. at the end of it. <laughs> but I think they did, actually. Aww. I think they did. I think they did. Aww. He delivered. Oh, and then in the scene in the book, I forgot when he talks about having to get hit the um, how to afford to bury um, yeah. Rico as well and like you know I, I'll find a funeral parlor who I can get a loan and get do him credit do it, and yeah. credit I do it right and then I'll, I'll save right. money to buy him a tombstone and put his name I'll find someone, someone who can spell, spell his name <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Get in there. yeah you're in full um, but just how much they think about each other, those little things, I and mean, even though he's dead, he still wants to, he's putting so much into him, he could abandon the thing him. That, the thing that summed up for me was when Joe's buying clothes towards the end, yeah. and he buys him the two different socks. Yeah. So oh, the two different sizes! Like yeah, two packs. Yeah. Two packs. So you can mix and match, yeah. And you're, you're at that point now where, like, that's the level they know that he's aware of that. Enough. You know? And this is why I won the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I just wouldn't think it on first viewing. I think once I got to the end, I was like, whew, this is a real like gut yeah. punch. In the beginning, you're kind of like, oh, what is this? But then towards the end, when they really get, you're so invested in them. Mm. But it's just, it is, it's a little bit tragic that the film is so overshadowed. No one knows about this book. Because it's a really beautifully written book. It's very lean, and what he's able to accomplish 
but the book, the book never grabbed me to the point where I was desperate to go back and read it. Whenever I was reading it, the prose were so good that the actual reading of it was a very enjoyable experience. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't massively compelled initially, but it wasn't that when I was in it, it was, it was bad. Like, yeah. it just, I don't know, it didn't have that instant for me. But then that came from the time. And now no, I'm obsessed with Rico. It was no yeah. wild life. It was no wild life. This, this is... No, <laughs> I got to the end of this, so it was definitely not wild life. <laughs> this was a tiny moment and inconsequential, but in the movie, the there was a beautiful moment when uh, Joe first gets to Rico's place and he lies down and Rico's like, yeah, yeah, go to sleep. And he kind of like climbs on a chair and like pulls down the blind for him. And it does, doesn't really block any of the light out, but the fact that he's yeah. done that and he kind of like curls up into like a little ball himself in the chair so he doesn't make any noise and leaves him to sleep is just like really lovely. Well, I think because in the book you get the story about... Rico's father and like the, his really complicated relationship with his family, yeah. and you also have the story of his fam, his grandmother raising him. You really get how they're both these like lost children who are so desperate for someone to really love them because they've never felt that and just care for them uncon- unconditionally. Whereas both of them were kind of tools for their parents that they just kind of had to take care of to bare minimum. There was never any like real love that they would no one sacrificed anything for them well, no. the only two who couldn't take care of themselves and I think that was the thing too in both their situations you know Joe's grandmother had him around when it was necessary and most of the time didn't really give him anything give him any attention same with Rico his father only used his kids to like brag about look at all the children I've made you know I'm manly <laughs> I love when they went in the, the, the restaurant the and they would, they'd start the almost singing the, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the Italian phrases <laughs> about this is you, you own this place, this is your yeah. area, this is your table. With your 13, your children. 13 children. But, but I love that even in what we would consider a very impoverished condition, they were able to set up a home. Hmm. And it was they were domestic and Yeah, like joking about the groceries at the bag of grocery yes. arm and like walking up the stairs was uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy we did this one. It's just very different now. It's interesting. I think an important film and a pity that no one knows who James Leo Hurley is. <laughs> go down. He wrote some plays. He also wrote um a All Fall Down, which is supposed to be a really good film starring um Angela Lansbury. It's supposed to be sort of a momentous film that she did. But he did a lot of theater writing other novels but so you you did write multiple novels yeah but completely you know forgotten history I think most of our books he's alive or he's dead um one other thing that I did notice while I'm watching 1993 he died at 66 oh yeah he committed suicide um, by overdosing on sleeping pills in uh, 1993 we can't end on that. Oh, I know. Okay, sorry, I okay, so what I'm going to say is yeah. how extraordinary when you see John Boyd so young, how Angelina Jolie looks just like him. Oh my god, yeah. that, I said that when oh I was watching goodness. the film That's next crazy. to my family, I said John Boyd looks just like Angelina Jolie. That's so crazy. I never thought of them as being no, 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 no. as being related, really. Yeah. Listen, we, we're not going to talk about how crazy he is now. Well, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> he's gone a little bit. Very bad. the best of us. Yes. Okay.
which makes me wonder that how did you approach these scenes in this film, or did you really think differently then? Yeah, feet right one another. Huge. It's all the, that the weird drugs that Andy Warhol was bringing in the party scene completely messed oh, maybe it up. Maybe he was just incredible, the young actor, uh, yeah. hopeful of an Oscar. Were they? I wonder. Willing to do anything. Mm. Willing to prostitute <laughs> Yes. Because they must have been both in their 20s? Late 20s? Yeah, at that stage. Because yeah. yeah. Dustin Hoffman was really young when he did The Graduate as well. Even though he's like someone who always looks a bit old, he yeah, never yeah. looks young. <laughs> like a little bit weathered. Just his vibe. It was interesting to see. Dustin Hoffman, I kept going, this is like a prototype for Rain Man. Oh, completely. When I was watching it. Like, I can see how... He, him developing characters from this yes. role. I, mean, I do think sometimes he can be very mannered actor. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Well, there is very a... Very good. Yeah. I, I did read about the fact that he was the one who wanted John Voight in the role. Because there's another actor, I don't think has become famous, who was supposed to have the role, but because Dustin Hoffman said that when they were together, people paid more attention to John Voight, who was able to sort of balance against Dustin Hoffman, because so whenever you see a film with him, he's like so front and center. He dominates, yeah. he dominates a lot. And the fact that John Voight was able to balance that out enough and really be his equal, because he is supposed to be the main character, even though at that point Dustin Hoffman was more famous. Right. Which I think is impressive for someone to take like a backseat role in that sense and really let someone else kind of carry a film and understand that supporting. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Good job guys. Good one.